0: A star at 26 depp could play hunk roles for the rest of his life but he's working with the king of sleaze the same director who brought us hairspray and pink flamingos
1: halfway through this writing out i thought god who's gonna play this so i went out like a child molester and bought like thirty dollars worth of teen magazines i was so mortified standing there by myself buying this teen magazine. And I saw him, and I read about him, and I just thought he would be the best, you know, and then I, and I knew that he was a good actor, too. One of the most important things was to break the mold, because I don't
2: want to be known for just one character. I want to do a bit of everything. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all
1: Astro Radio Z is a horror code exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Carey.
0: Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Derek Carey in the icy tundra of Wisconsin. Coming to talk to you about some more John Waters films. Tonight, we're going to be talking about his 1990 musical, *Crybaby*. It's a place where the pleasures are simple. You want to ride home with Dad? We can count out of state license plates. Kids help their parents.
3: He not only vacuums, he does windows.
0: And squares get the girls.
3: We'll get married and live in suburbia. Then...
0: Cry Baby
1: walk Yeah, you're looking to rumble You're looking at me because I'm the king social. Get on. He was born to be bad. Just one night of happiness. That's all I ask. By John Waters.
0: You've made me the happiest juvenile delinquent in Baltimore. So Angelique, how about tonight? You tell us what is crybaby? What is the story of crybaby?
3: Crybaby is like a mix of your Elvis movie and your juvenile delinquent romance comedy. It's beautiful. We got the the good girl from the wrong side of the tracks and two worlds collide.
0: Crybaby essentially is kind of like... A parody of the Elvis Teen Heartthrob movies of the 50s. Of the movies, up until this point was the biggest budgeted film that John Waters had done. He had a $12 million budget on this, and unfortunately, it was considered a flop after it came out because it only raked in $8 million in box office, but subsequently has gone on to become a cult hit that even spawned a short-lived musical. I think it did a handful of shows regardless of the box office when this was made this was the first film in which John Waters had the studios in a bidding war in which depending on how you look at it universal won out <laughs> maybe for box office they didn't win out but they were the the company that and studio that decided to release this movie now John Waters when he was Uh, casting this movie which this is an ensemble cast if you've ever seen one he was trying to get a teen heartthrob to play Wade Crybaby Walker this was Johnny Depp's first big movie after he had done uh, 21 Jump Street for years and he was obviously at that time pretty hot shit he I mean he had been in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street way before this but that didn't get him any traction whatsoever. I mean, it's legendary for all us horror freaks, but but the majority of film audiences, they, have, they had no idea who Johnny Depp was. And after this movie, Johnny Depp would go on to make Edward Scissorhands almost immediately. But he agreed to come on and make Crybaby because he wanted to try and break out of the heartthrob mold and, and be this kind of rude rockabilly greaser punk that's in this flick now andrew what do you think of johnny depp in this flick
1: i love him, man i i think you know despite the current uh, shit about him and his uh in his uh private life i will always think he's a great actor and uh you know, I'm a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, so I'm obviously glad to see Glenn back in the game. You know, that was bad what happened to him with that bed, but he looked like he recovered pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'm all for that, man. I mean, is especially after seeing what he would do later, Giant Depp always made, well, you know, like remember that one where he was that guy in the train station or whatever, nick of time. Like mm-hmm. aside from a few ones that weren't that good, most of his acting choices is really neat and i think he probably was one of the few people in cry baby that was a fan of john water's old movies and was like stoked to be in it because you figure like universal and some of these people they was casting i know like tracy lords was like oh wait he made a movie where somebody eats poop i don't know if i want to be in this you know what i'm saying like which is funny
0: considering that during the time that this was made she was under investigation
1: for Mm, being an underage porno star? Right, right. But you know, it's like, it's like so, it's so a good reason to stay away from anything that might even resemble that, you know? Right, right. So, but uh, I always got the feeling that like he, he was one of the people that was excited to be, like he was a fan of um, of John Waters. Mm-hmm. And this
0: is probably... Up until this point, I mean, we had talked last episode about how Hairspray, how he had walked away from a lot of the Dreamland cast. Um, this movie, bar none, has the least amount of Dreamlanders in it. Obviously, Divine had died. So there's no Divine here. But from his previous films, the only two people that I recognized was Mink Stoll. Yeah, <laughs> in a great role, um, she eventually gets put into an iron lung because she smokes so much. You happy now, Mona? Huh? You finally did it. You put your own mother in an iron lung. Mrs. Malnarowski, there is no smoking in this courtroom. Well, why
3: not? I pay
2: taxes on cigarettes, don't I? And what do I get for those taxes? Happiness?
3: Hell no!
0: I get tuberculosis. Oh, Christ. Now I got a flat tire. And Mary Vivian Pierce in a blip, like literally a blip. Otherwise, this is uh, pretty much populated by a lot of actors and actresses that uh, most people would know. We have Ricky Lake come back as Crybaby Walker's sister. Uh, you have, as you said, Tracy Lords in perhaps my favorite movie she's ever been in. She is not only on fire, smoking hot. She is she is so rude and so full of personality in this flick. I absolutely adore her in this movie. Um, Kim McGuire as Hatchet Face, probably one of the most classic characters in all of film to me. We have Iggy Pop. He plays Crybaby Walker's grandma's uh, boy toy, I guess you could call him, because it's not, I don't think it's his grandpa per se, was is it? it? Like maybe his uncle or some His aunt and uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle, yeah. Okay. And uh, then we also had uh, Patricia Hurst, which was interesting. Do you know anything about that, Andrew?
1: Like the history of how he got uh, Patricia Hurst to be in this flick? I mean, he's just always been a fan of that type of stuff, you know, he yeah, would do the crime thing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, having somebody like that in his movies had to be a trip for him, you know, cause he's, you know, he would, uh, he spent time doing um, lectures and stuff in prisons, going them doing educational stuff. So he obviously just crime is just something that, I mean, he's written a lot of chapters in books, uh, about, uh, just his like, and it's in all of his old movies too man he's just got a fascination with crime and criminals and cr- criminal figures so i think if he could have got away with it he would have had a lot of more famous you know what i'm saying people uh, that did crimes and stuff in his movies but uh that the scene with um with her in the courtroom where she says fuck <laughs> that's that's like probably my favorite part of the whole movie hi wanda honey
3: you were on the radio would you just get me the fuck out of here? What's fuck mean, Hector?
0: Oh, Meg, it's just a teen nonsense word Wanda uses to make herself feel all grown up.
1: Your Honor, could we take Wanda the fuck home?
0: There's a lot of amazing characters in this film and a lot of amazing lines. But there's one scene that I always remember. Well, OK, I'm going, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. This is bar none my favorite John Waters film. I've watched this movie more than any of them. I used to watch it endlessly when it was on cable when it first came out. And I can watch this movie any day of the week and just smile the entire fucking time. I I absolutely love this. And Patricia Hearst, there's one scene where um, Crybaby's uh, crew comes out of school and is walking down. And there's a there's a great kind of juxtaposition between uh, Crybaby's crew are supposed to be the outsider greaser kind of punks and then the normal square society. And uh, who's I'm trying to remember Um, Patricia Hearst plays Tracy Lord's mom in the film, and uh, she is the most squeaky, clean, normal, happy Happy person in the entire world and, and she plays a cross guard, a school cross uh, walk guard and uh, the, the crew's coming down to the street and she's like,
3: hi kids remember, always look both ways before crossing. Mother! We're having your favorite supper
2: tonight Wanda. Potatoes au Mmm!
0: Now walk.
3: Look left look right?
0: That's right. Then
1: walk. Good
0: teenagers. (laughs) One of my favorite scenes, there's something about it, where you have these people that are like the kids throughout the film, they just constantly are like playing against authority and always, you know, trying to be those, those kids that just want to stick it to everybody, but have hearts of gold in the, and she plays this squeaky clean mom. That is so snotty, <laughs> like very subtly snotty. Seth, who is your favorite character in this flick? Well, you, you might've got me there. It might be, it might be cry
2: Johnny Depp. I think he just commands that role. And, uh, he's got real star power early on in his career you know Mm -hmm. i I don't know he's just really likable as the the leader of the drapes and you really want to root for him to get uh the
0: girl well he he has such an elvis presence to him throughout this entire thing you can totally tell they modeled this after so many of elvis's movies there's jailhouse rock at points in this flick i mean it breaks down into cheesy uh song numbers here and there out of nowhere um but the entire time he's constantly pouting and he has he's called crybaby because he has one tear that comes down and makes all the girls swoon and i personally have wanted to make a movie with a character like crybaby for so many years and it just has never happened it makes me i have a script. <laughs> that I wanted to make forever. It just never happened. But I, I agree with you. I love Johnny Depp in, in this movie. Angelique, who's probably your favorite?
3: Oh, Hatchet Face. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes shook up old ladies. Get cut.
0: Talk about Hatchet it. Face.
3: Oh, she's just. Uh, I got character.
0: <laughs> and you, Miss Malnarowski, by the way, that's a shame about your face.
3: There's nothing the matter with my face. I got character.
0: <laughs> now, how would you describe Hatchet Face to the to the listeners? Obviously, this isn't a, a visual podcast. How would you describe uh, her appearance?
3: Okay, you know how some people can take their upper lip and draw it up on one side, and then take their lower lip and draw it down on the other side. Let's well, like that, but permanent. And she's deathly pale, except for these bright red cheeks, and her teeth are kind of funky, and and one eye is kind of squinty. It's
0: it's hideous, but she's just she's precious. She's precious. The whole thing is, I mean, she's not an ugly person in reality. No. It's all makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody you remember, and Andrew will know this reference more than anyone you you remember andrew that scene in vice academy where they were trying to teach uh the cadets where uh how to uh, make each other up like hookers yeah and they couldn't get it right yeah that's what hatchet faces <laughs>
1: yeah and look like that lady that got off I remember on airplane through the through the whole the turbulence and stuff trying to put our makeup and she gets out looking like uh, Reagan from the exorcist and, she, <laughs> and the kids
3: from uh, one crazy summer. They got slapped on the back.
1: Yeah. And they stuck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> man. I'm telling you, catch a face is always. It,
1: there's so many great characters, Andrew. Who's yours? I'm, I like Tracy Lord's character, man, because um, you could tell like like John Waters just handed her a tape of Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. And it's like, this is who you are. Yeah. She studied that. And then she just she just totally nailed it. And so the look on her face, the way she holds her body, the way she says those lines, you know, John Waters is a big fan of Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. And, you know, the just the whole that's that bit, that bit of it perfect just absolutely i'm a big fan of that so seeing somebody nail that like really always just it it gets me in my heart you know
0: and playing opposite of her well not really opposite but alongside of her is pretty much like i think her and ricky lake play the same kind of character only tracy lords kind of has that typical kind of pin up hourglass figure where ricky lake is supposed to be pregnant and she's just a bigger girl but it's just as sexy just as sassy yep. um as as tracy lords is what do you think of ricky in this one as opposed to how she
1: was kind of the squeaky clean girl in hair hairspray dude i would not know how, who to make out with first I mean, I would just, I I would, my head would blow up, man. They're just smoking hot, both of them, you know. I probably, probably Ricky Lake. (laughs) Just no idea. But no, I mean, I had, I had, I understand why his fascination with the bad girls and all that and with the bad kids and with the delinquents and stuff. I mean, I had a, did I talk about this group of girls that went to my school? Did I talk about them on one of the older shows? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, man. So I get it, man. I really, I really, really do. I get it. But man, yeah, Ricky Lake and. I guess she was supposed to be pregnant or whatever because yes. she has a baby. She's
3: like 8 months pregnant or 9 God,
1: months I wish pregnant. He, I wish he would have showed her biting through the umbilical in that car. That would have been so good, such a good callback, you know, cuz she was basically playing what divine would have, oh, you know, was a very divine kind of yeah. role. Yeah. 100% the divine role.
2: I think that's the like the signature John Waters gross out moment that was missing.
0: Well, no. it was still kind of there. I mean, it's still a ridiculous sequence at the end where they have the chicken race and she decides to get in the car and has a baby while they're having <laughs> the chicken race. Yeah. 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 This is of any of the John Waters movies. I would probably say that Crybaby is the tamest uh, with content, but I still think it's really uh, still razor sharp with wit and uh, the humor that it's going after angelique if there's anything that you would consider old school john waters about crybaby what would it be what would be that link
3: well you got the tojo the pervert Mm. all right who's up tojo jackson's art
2: photography right here be a nudie cutie make good money to booty hey i'm
1: paying three bucks a shot you got it what the hell why not show it guys? hey you Hey, you, the looker with the class A seal beam headlights. You want to pose for Tojo?
3: Beat it, creep. (laughs) 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 So it's still got, you know, and and how Crybaby gets all worked up in the lightning and and all, you know, I'm bursting for you.
0: (laughs) Oh, and the scenes where during the jukebox jamboree, they're making out. out. Yeah, the, the French kiss section. Of the film, which I, I can only imagine in the theater, how normal people when they walked in and they saw that scene, how how squirmy they probably were in their. When the
3: kids share the lollipop, that was just like ew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there's a couple of the sequels. Like I think there were two of the the kissers. Like um, hatchet faces kiss was particularly grotesque. And Iggy Pop and um trying to think what Susan Tyrell. Name. Susan Tyrell.
1: Yeah, Su- yeah, Susan Tyrell. They literally looked like they were trying to kill each other. They were they looked like they had done that like five minutes before the camera started too. They did just- <laughs> <laughs> Susan Terrell's Susan Tyrrell's the one and Hatchet faced where I was like, Man, they would have just eased right in the old dreamland, man. They seem like somehow cutting room floor next door neighbors that never got into the old movies. They just Right. Uh,
0: There's something so like welcoming and at home about johnny depp that whole drape family that they had in this film with uh iggy pop and susan terrell and all of them like when when the film because the film kind of plays the two separate entities in completely different ways um the drape family which is very is supposed to be kind of like you know these grubby people that are that, uh, that are living in squalor and do nothing but, you know, steal cars and raise hell and all this stuff. But they're all portrayed as really genuinely lovable characters. And then you have the squares, which is just so squeaky clean that it makes you want to barf. And it, it everything is really pastel looking and very boring, a lot of doo wop music. Um, Seth, what do you think of the dichotomy of the two opposing forces in this film?
2: Oh, John Waters made it perfectly clear who you were supposed to like and dislike. I mean, the first scene we see of uh Iggy Pop, he's in a wash tub scrubbing his butt with a toilet brush and he yells, You found me in my birthday suit. I mean, how can you not like it like that? And then <laughs> You have the uh, the squares. You see them in there at a like a talent show in the middle of the afternoon. Everyone's dressed up. I mean, come on, no one does that. That's boring. I want to well, hang out with if, Iggy
3: Pop
0: scrubbing his ass, butt <laughs> 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 <Those>, naked. Those, yeah, <laughs> butt naked. Uh, <laughs> I always remember watching this. Every time it would the movie switches over to the scenes with the squares. I wanted to fast forward the movie when I was growing up. Cause I'm like, I don't, I hate these people. I don't want to watch this shit.
3: They were assholes.
0: They were complete assholes. You know, they were the, this is, uh, this is where, you know, typical John Waters comes into the fold where he takes these ideas and he's, he's kind of poking fun at them to make you realize how ridiculous they are. And uh, the squares are these people that are obviously, suburbanites that are God fearing that all appear on the surface to be walking the straight and narrow path, but in their hearts and underneath the surface
1: are real fucking pricks. Andrew, what do you think of the squares? They suck, man. I mean, they are, you know, there's some really eighties movie about the, the asshole rich people being the you know the antagonists or whatever it's just super 80s you know you take your pick there's tons of movies one crazy summer right It's <laughs> so that was very very 80s thing to do even though it was 1990 everybody knows 90 is still the 80s so um that that just was yeah it was very typical. and i uh, god their music was so shitty oh it's so saccharine like you're you're embarrassed for the people like just you know like for you feel embarrassed for them it's a weird feeling you get when you hear that music like yeah sorry
0: no, it's also the presentation too the way that they sang it because they all did these acapella like talent shows God, it's so where stupid. it's all syncopated dance moves and they're holding their hearts and it's also cheese dick it's ridiculous <laughs>
1: just ridiculous,
0: ridiculous. it's ridiculous i i fucking i remember <laughs> watching this movie growing up just hating the squares so fucking badly the only person in the squares obviously other than um allison who is uh johnny depp crybaby walker's uh love interest in the film which is kind of like this romeo and juliet you know the two warring factions and the the two people that fall in love and how are these people going to come together and realize that love is going to conquer all um other than allison played by amy uh locaine i'm probably slaughtering the day but oh well um po- uh, Polly Burgeon is Miss Vernon Williams is is a really really fun to watch on screen cuz she plays your kind of your typical blowhard grandma you know prim and proper uh, catholic going suburbanite that is having conflicting feelings about the way that she's been treating the drapes. And so let's go ahead and go on to the drapes. Angelique, what do you think of the other side, the people we're supposed to, that we're supposed to identify with, that we've been identifying with from the beginning of John Waters films? Cause it's basically the characters that John Waters has been, well, a much more tame version <laughs> of the characters we've been seeing up until this point. What do you think of, of the drapes and how they're, they're shown?
3: Well, I mean, I come from a family of drapes, so I was like, oh, yeah, there's a, yeah, <laughs> that's home, that's our backyard, that's my aunt, that's, you know, my uncle, you know, <laughs> so it was it was instantly just like, okay, all right, I, I know what's going on here, and they were just good people, I mean, they might be poor, they might be dirty, and not make money in the regular way, but they were good people. Mm-hmm.
2: Seth? Yeah, like Angelique said, they're good people. Susan Tyrell's character is a loving grandmother that'll fight for you know her family, even if she's a little scantily clad in weird leather and puts on parties for the youth where they'll make out and drink and whatever. She's just <laughs> trying to have a good time with everyone. You can't complain about that.
0: Right, right, right. And uh, Andrew?
1: Oh man, you you know it's like you said. This is the I I think I said, said in probably the first John Waters show that we did that he's kind in a way making the same movie over and over again. And I don't mean that in like a real specific sense, but more in a general sense. He just loves the outsiders mm-hmm. and wants to show um, that affinity for those weirdo characters. And so having this collection of people that like to party and get down, it's an extension of, I don't know, the hair shop from, uh, from female trouble or kind of anything like that. You know, it just, uh, Susan Terrell, I really love her. Or oh, I don't, I don't know if it'll make it on here, but forbidden zone, I think I mentioned uh, may have mentioned that before we were talking or maybe early on. I just really love her, and she just she's like like maybe like almost like the Edie of the movie or something like that. She's just so mm-hmm. out there, such a bonkers group. He loves them, and in the rest of his movies, he's all he's still after this. He's going to continue to center on and make the audience identify identify with and appeal to the eyeballs. And I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's always trying to uh, get get the get them get the viewer on the on the side of. People that maybe in real life, they they misjudge and stuff like that.
0: Right. Well, I think they're trying to show, you know, that the squares are supposed to be normal society that look down on everything that isn't completely them. And we are supposed to be. Well, I guess you could say we are supposed to be the, the drapes and we're supposed to sympathize with them completely. Yeah. It's it's pretty typical John Waters themes and in what he's trying to say. Um, but this film obviously compared to the rest of them is far tamer. Did anybody have a problem that this film wasn't as, as biting as some of his other ones?
3: No, no. It, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, the films that he was making fun of or, or, or you know paying homage to or whatever you want to say about them, they weren't filthy. You know, he, he kind of clicked it up, you know, from a from a four to a seven, maybe. But, you know, there wasn't a need to go over the top. I don't think with this one.
0: There still was elements that were that were quite over the top. But yeah, this this is it wasn't a much,
3: singing butthole.
0: Well, I mean, things are. Yeah, that singing butthole. But a big factor in this film compared to the last film we had talked about, Hairspray, we had we kind of had a discussion on whether or not it was a quote unquote musical or a film with music as its centerpiece or what did we ended up calling it?
1: It's a dance movie, and this is a musical, I think is what we came to no.
0: yeah, this is yeah. absolutely a musical there were there are songs let's let's go ahead and get to the uh part of the film that you know is probably most prominent is the music in this film uh there are actual songs that are written that the characters actually sing, unlike hairspray, which is mostly just dancing to music, but then there are still. Tons of other songs that are playing that if you were familiar with any of John Waters films up to this point, you know how many amazing deep cuts of that era that he would use in the character. That character of the music is so prevalent in this movie. I, that's what made me more than anything fall in love with this movie is the music the music creates such a mood and such a feeling um, that it's just like I'm I love every second that there's music going on, other than obviously the squares do op stuff because it's just so saccharine and ugh, grody. <laughs> like who really likes listening to uh, Mr. Sandman? Mr. Sandman.
1: <laughs>
0: really? nobody (laughs) nobody does but the music itself i mean obviously there's the the people sing it in the movie and johnny depp as crybaby walker is supposed to be like this elvis character big shocker here he didn't sing any of it (laughs) um there was another uh stand-in singer for most of the people in this film so uh but they they did amazing jobs uh andrew what do you
1: think of his soundtrack in this one? I think it's what's kind of disappointing to me about it is that in his old movies he had the real recordings, and in this one there's a lot of re-recordings of it, mm-hmm. and they sound like really polished and fake. There's still a lot of real tracks in this one, though. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's those are neat callbacks. Those do remind me of those ah uh, those first movies where it was all music, you know? Right, right. Did anyone else
0: have problems with the music that were that was in this one? No, I think it made it um, feel more like the
2: Hollywood product that it kind of is.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a much more streamlined kind of flick. It doesn't have the rough around the edges uh, aspect of, say, a Mondo Trasho or anything like that. But it still has some of that same kind of music. Angelique, what do you think of the music in this?
3: Oh, it was good. I mean, the the songs were, you know, they were good, they were catchy, but they were just hokey enough to make them kind of, you just want to go, oh man, but you're still kind of grooving along with it and you're still singing along with it if you watch the movie enough.
0: Right. Did the did the musical aspect take you out of this flick at all or did you, are you a fan of uh, musicals?
3: I'm a musical theater major, <laughs> <laughs> so I liked it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's sometimes musicals kind of rub me the wrong way, but this movie, there's just something about it. I love the style. It's just really peppy and really fun. And I found out today, I never knew this, that supposedly the Cramps demoed three songs that were supposed to be in this movie that didn't get selected. And I, and I found those songs and it blows my mind because most of the time I think, you know, the Cramps and John Waters should go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So when I found that out, I'm like, holy shit. I found it on YouTube, uh, some of the music. It, it was released uh on a single afterward, uh, with for uh I think the single was All Women Are Bad, which here's a deep cut. I, nobody I nobody's gonna know this, but my old band used to cover this song, All Women Are Bad. Covered, I was in a band that covered All Women Are Bad. Oh yeah. Amazing track by yep. the cramps. But uh here I'm gonna play you one of these songs. Uh, that that they actually made in the qualities fight because obviously it was a demo, but uh, it would have been amazing if the cramps would have been in this movie. But uh, here's one of those tracks now. Take a listen. think if if the cramps if that song would have been in this thing
1: or any of the songs would have been in this thing i would, I would have just man let the cramps do the whole soundtrack wouldn't that have been fucking amazing i mean if they can't get those old recordings like a cramps soundtrack by the cramps re-copy uh, you know new versions of old songs you know because obviously we know it's not a real old movie right right it's it's a uh satire of old movies so covers of old songs would make sense. I would have loved that. That would be a classic soundtrack. Yeah, I, I have a feeling Universal probably wouldn't have went for that. <laughs> <Whatsoever>. <laughs> well, they, probably for, they probably didn't go for a lot of things. I'm, I'm. When I rewatched *Pride Baby, I was very surprised at some of the things that they they did let through. Um, I have the director's cut. I, I have a VHS of the old one, but, but I cannot even tell you if I ever even like played it. Um, but like the part where uh, they they go pick up the, go to the orphanage. With that really bad font on the front of it, yeah. And, and they, uh, they go inside, and the kids are behind glass, like pu- like puppies in a in a in a uh, pet store. That was fantastic. That reminded me of them putting the kid in the refrigerator or whatever, you know? right? But I was like, wow, was this in the? Was this in the? But it had to have been. The kids it was
0: that- in the original version. Yeah, absolutely. But,
1: but then there's that great uh, cut scene that still didn't make it in, where um the kid barfs out of the helicopter and it lands all over the judge god i would have loved that had been in the movie. <laughs> good there's barf even in hairspray you know right well he was always trying to put something like that in there some barf and god barf out of a helicopter well oh, that's epic
2: that would have been great i've never <laughs> i've never known that 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 existed so
1: it's in the deleted scenes actually oh, man, that's awesome yeah, yeah it should be on the dvd if you have the dvd check it out for sure yeah there's um and that oh god that great dungeon scene with tracy lords and um and what's his name fishpaw not fish you know the pervert camera guy yeah the guy who who for a long time i thought it was the same guy but it's not he's just very reminiscent of him superficially resembles yeah yeah, absolutely (laughs) absolutely But yeah, it shows where they go after he gets her in the car or whatever. And he takes her to this like crazy f- something weird movie, Roberta Finley dungeon or whatever. And she's in a, a glass, a champagne glass, like uh, like kitten a TV dot or whatever. And uh, he's and but there's also uh, shirtless dudes in there like he's getting beefcake photos. It's just God, what a great scene, man. But I was like, <laughs> I'm surprised they even let him film that.
0: Right. Well, I'm sure he didn't he didn't well they had to have known because they, they had to have like paid to have all that done I mean it was on a set and everything
1: <laughs> oh yeah no the the Hollywood crew like the LA crew came in and just like bulldozed all his Baltimore people like he even his longtime uh, production manager god what is his name Robert Mayer I think the guy he he was a production manager on like five of his movies and I think he quit on crybaby because of how bad he got bullied by the la people i mean they wouldn't patronize any baltimore businesses they even shipped like office supplies from los angeles they were just jesus apparently like really really kind of terrible so and they were yeah they're super penny pincher with him well i'm so Basically, i'm surprised directed. that the, the
0: film in, was even filmed in baltimore to be honest and seth i saw you post on instagram that uh the opening shot uh, from the the credit sequence was actually filmed at your junior high school. Yeah
2: the um, the interiors in the like the polio vaccine in the beginning that whole scene <laughs> was uh it's now Franklin Middle School back in I think it was the 70s it was and earlier it was Franklin High School so that was all done in Reisterstown Maryland which is um, about 15 miles away from the city and a couple other places. Enchanted Forest was a small like, uh, storybook uh, theme park that closed a couple years after the movie was done. Uh, That was in Ellicott City, Maryland. That place was actually pretty awesome. And then I lived a couple blocks from this small scene uh, where they're in like a main street and the parade starts uh, towards the end of the film. That was at Sykesville, Maryland, which is kind of a more of a rural community, but... Yeah, lots of uh, lots of places around that they shot at. And like I like you said, I'm surprised that they shot
0: here at all. Yeah, I really am. Let's talk about that opening sequence in this film. I got to say of any film that I've ever seen, the opening sequence of Cry Baby, no dialogue, straight up classic John Waters, where a track a, a classic old track plays. Yet we are introduced to every single character of the film just about getting uh, polio vaccines in a school gymnasium. And we understand what each character is about perfectly. I absolutely love how this movie starts out when each of these characters get their shots. We see the ones that are, are wimps squirm. We see all the drapes like kind of love it almost like have a almost a a dirty sexual aspect to getting pricked with these needles um and you get to you get introduced to this huge cast of characters so well uh angelique what do you think of that opening sequence and how they introduce everybody to the cast and crew
3: oh it's the best i mean like we didn't have vaccines or anything but like the the department of defense schools we would have to get like you know lice checks and stand in line in the gym like that so i was like oh man this is wow and uh, just their reaction to the shot like you know uh tracy lores just kind of giving that little bite the hmm, and hatchet face just kind of you know freaking out It was, it's just it's, it was awesome
0: yeah i think it really shows how like How far John Waters had come as a filmmaker to be able to put together this long sequence in which wordlessly we are perfectly introduced to all these characters. Andrew, I don't know what you think of this this opening sequence, but I've always thought of just about anything John Waters has done. This has got to be one of the high marks in his career.
1: Yeah I mean it's it's um it's it's a masterful kind of a thing you know the it's it's the it's the the weird thing about John Waters is that if he would have just been willing to direct other people's material he would be up there with you know he would not be in the position he is now he'd still be making movies cuz clearly he could handle action he could handle choreography he was ready like freddie for all of that stuff the flaming motorcycle he was you know obviously a great director and wonderful working with actors he had a good crew there with him that knew how to make big movies which you know his he hadn't he's his old crew his existing crew dp and all that weren't really ready for something like this and i know it had to have taxed the shit out of uh van smith and vince perenio and the, those guys but uh, so this is probably the limit of what they could handle. But it was you know, I'll always wonder if if John Waters just would have if he would have taken less than the dust or any of those other things. Um, what kind of cool stuff we might have seen him do, you know?
0: Yeah, I would have been really interested to see after this where he would have gone if he would have continued down this path. And He kind of did with Serial Mom. I mean, Serial Mom is. A fairly bigger movie, but nothing, it's not even close to what this was. I mean, there's coordinated dance numbers, huge cast that was really well known, uh, a lot of intricate kind of just back and forth between two completely different styles of people. I mean, the way it jumps between the drapes and the squares, as we had talked before, I mean, it's handled so perfectly. You know what world you're in each time it jumps back and forth but the this opening sequence i cannot stress enough how from a filmmaking standpoint it is perfect it it is almost my favorite if you can go go to youtube you can check it out i'm sure it's up there but honestly it, it i'm hard pressed to find in any other movie i've ever seen a sequence in which you are you understand Everyone without them saying a fucking word whatsoever. I love that sequence. Seth, what do you think of that sequence?
2: Uh, feelings are completely mutual. Uh, when Crybaby first makes his appearance in there, you know, they're pushing the squares out of the way, cutting the line. You immediately know what's going on. And that's after, you know, uh, Hatchet Face and Ricky Lake's characters get it. Everyone gives their little attitude to the nurse. the doctor you summed it up everybody's role is immediately known and it's really well done
0: yeah it's and it's in the music that's playing is so peppy i mean this whole movie there's really not a downer part of this movie this is a movie that you're supposed to sit click your heels to and smile all the way out and i almost forgot when we were talking about all the characters there in this movie there is this awesome cameo by willem dafoe as, as a hateful yeah. guard at the juvie hall when uh Crybaby Walker gets arrested and uh has to go into the clink for a while, Willem Defoe, it's, it's just like out of nowhere, all of a sudden he pops up. Um, I absolutely love seeing him and, and all the people this whole movie, the entire time, you're gonna be like, Holy shit, that person's in here! Holy shit, this person, <laughs> it's just like how this movie is. For me, it, let's go ahead and go down the road. If there's anything that you what was your probably your your favorite aspect of Cry Baby, uh, Angelique?
3: I think the, the the big dance number, the big song and dance at the end. That was my favorite piece because it was so
0: involved it's are you talking about the please mr jail uh mr taylor yes. yeah
3: yeah yeah you know everybody in town gets converted over to to liken the drapes and you know it's like all right everybody finally sees the light
0: i i love that sequence it, and it's also the music i'll just keep coming back to it it's the music is just so well done that it's just like you know it pulls you in seth uh my favorite would be I forget if it's King Cry Baby
2: or Teardrop, or not King Cry Baby, Teardrops Are Falling or Doing Time for Being Young. Yeah. Uh, the musical number in the prison where they're like making the license plates and they bust into song. And that choreography with that song and the sweeping camera, everything is just, its it's really top notch musical filmmaking and just beautifully made assembly line stuff going in the background and all the dancing of the characters. I, I really fell in love with that scene the first time I saw it.
0: Absolutely tie back to jailhouse rock. I mean, he's totally making nods to that Elvis movie and you're right. I mean, there's just so much going on there and Johnny Depp is right at the forefront and he's playing a pseudo Elvis just about as best as you
1: can. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Mr. God's horrific. Probably my favorite thing about Crybaby Is it just, it's probably John Waters most unabashedly gay movie. (laughs) <laughs> and the fact that it was the one that was bankrolled by the big Hollywood movie studio—it just makes that even sweeter. That it feels like a kind of a uh, like a prank or a coup, you know? Right. Absolutely. It's gay as <laughs> hell. I mean, he pitched it using a gay photo book with Joe D'Alessandro in it. You know? Right. Right. Who is in the film uh, saying something that's very like uh, homophobic, which is a super hilarious. You know, he and Susan Terrell were both in Warhol films. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so Susan Terrell. Cool. If if you are if the name doesn't jump out yet, you immediately, well, you should go back and rekindle your love for old exploitation film because she was in Andy Warhol's Bad. She was in Forbidden Zone, Tales of Ordinary Madness two yeah. angel movies from a whisper to a scream i could go on and on and on big, big top, top Kiwi. Kiwi. yeah
1: yeah but you go back far enough i think she's an oscar winner an oscar nominee right am i wrong about that yep she was nominated for that can award for best supporting actress there you go susan Terrell. yeah she uh she died and i think i want to say 2012 she um she goes had been sick for a very long time matter of fact she was a uh I think maybe a double amputee for both her legs below the knee um, probably 10 years before that. So she'd be, she'd been, continue continued to do movie roles, but you know, they hit it or whatever, but yeah, she, she had some weird blood disease or something like that. And of course hatchet face died last year.
0: Yeah, that was really sad, yeah. but what else had hatchet face been in? I'm not as familiar with uh, her filmography.
1: I don't feel like she did. I don't really know that she did anything else. I can't remember.
3: I think I remember she was checking she IMDB. A yeah, she became a lawyer, and she did a couple of, like, crime shows, from what I remember from IMDB. I, I'm not near my tablet, so I can't check at the moment. Um.
0: Yeah, she was on a couple TV shows, it looks like. Obviously, she was in Serial Mom as a yeah. stage diver, and she was in another movie called Disturbed. Hmm. So... And she was in for for you video game dorks out there. She was in a Zork video game.
1: No shit, dude. Yes. How is anyone in a Zork game? It's just blank text.
0: (laughs) I don't know. It says, I'm looking at the credit, actress, video game, Zork, nemesis,
1: female patient, number one. Maybe they did like a later Zork that wasn't a text adventure oh no i'm guessing it was a text adventure
0: i don't know that- anything else man i gave my daughter this zork book this choose your own adventure zork book that i had when i was a kid
1: so that's all i know about zork dude when she's done with it let me read it man <laughs> i'll send it I, i'll send it your way <laughs> oh that was nerdy right there
0: it was <laughs> some, that's some deep nerd shit dude. that's,
1: that's yeah because yeah
0: Dude, I got to say, if if anything, you know, the one scene that sold me on this movie. And I think most people probably be like, well, yeah, that's that's a little too obvious is the King Cry baby scene at the jukebox jamboree. That sequence, it just like every single time I see it, I'm just I just am in love with this movie. All the characters uh, of the drape gang on stage, there's a Ricky Lake playing the snare drum. Uh, just loving it being a badass and then hatchet face comes out with the saxophone and just blows everyone away i absolutely love that sequence it's so 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 much fun and and wrap this one up and let's give our final thoughts and what we ultimately think about Crybaby. I think you already know my thoughts. This is my favorite John Waters film. I've watched it so many times. Um, the only problem I really have with it is that the first hour just flies by for me it just nonstop it's so fun there's music constantly going on all the characters are really fun and peppy and the pace is just it's just a breeze to get through and that last half hour for me uh kind of just like slowly falls apart to where the ending just kind of happens for me it's a little too predictable um but i still love it i still love watching it but there's something about that last half hour that i'm just kind of like Ugh. It just doesn't do it for me. But uh yeah, I would say, obviously, I've already said it. This is my favorite one of all of his movies. Um, Seth, what do you think ultimately about Crybaby?
2: Uh, you know, when I when I think about Crybaby, I usually put it towards the bottom of my John Waters list, but whenever I watch it, I really, really enjoy it. And, like you said, it just brings a smile to your face the entire time. And uh I, for me, that probably has a lot to do with I like have a connection with a lot of the locations, but it's such a fun movie, and the characters are so absolutely enjoyable, and you know you can connect with them. It, it's really, you know, I think uh, going through these movies and now watching this, one, I think it's definitely creeping up the list on my uh, you know favorite Waters films. Where where would you put it? Uh, I'd say right now. Upper upper half. Uh, I haven't seen anything after Serial Mom. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have the last three or so. I haven't seen. But uh, otherwise, I'd put it oh, top four.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's just a breezy flick. I think it's one of these weird films where if you're a hardcore old school John Waters fan, I could see having problems that this is almost all of the the trademarks of John Waters are virtually gone. And this is much more straight edge kind of film, but it still is is fun and satirical and pretty sharp-witted when all all is said and done. And as we had talked about before, I think it would have been very interesting to see him move on and try his hand at uh, more sophisticated films. But ultimately, this was a flop, so that wasn't meant to be. Angelique, what are your ultimate thoughts on uh, Cry Baby?
3: Oh, it's one of my favorites. It's in my top five, most definitely.
0: Um, yeah. Do you? Uh, I mean, have you seen this before? Was this a first time view for you?
3: Oh no, no, no. I, I've 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 watched Crybaby a lot. Not not quite as much as you have, but like if I see it on, you know, I'm like, yep, Crybaby, and I've got the DVD, so you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I bet you I watch this at least once or twice a year. I I still to this day it's a I've solid showed my flick. kids. I've showed my kids this. I oh, I love this movie. Absolutely love this one. Um, and it's unfortunate Amanda wasn't able to come on because she told me that this was the movie that actually introduced her to uh, John Waters. And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, this Especially was with the
3: Johnny Depp thing. Like, oh, yeah, Johnny Depp. Who's this John Waters cat?
0: Well, you know what I saw today when I was looking up stuff for the episode that on IMDb, there's a whole thread of people saying this is Johnny Depp's worst film.
3: I saw that and I'm like, no, no, it's not.
0: It just it just blows my mind. Uh, Seth, Uh, some people's opinions are just plain wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people didn't see secret windows but the- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Andrew ultimately where do you come out on crybaby it's my least favorite but not because I don't think it's a well made movie it's just one of the points in War. I mean he had to eventually just not connect with me and it just so happens that I do not like this music this style of music I uh, do not like Elvis. I am not into those kind of films that he's sending up and um, rockabilly. I would have to say, I hate it. So I'm like, you know, I just kind of, you know what I'm saying? It just, it was not a thing that appealed to me. You know, it's like just misses me because hairspray. Um, I was never that much into it and I didn't, wasn't into crybaby. I didn't get into John Waters really until I went to see serial mom. And I was like, whoa, like I loved that. And that made me go back and watch all the old stuff, you know, but um, these I just never was that into. But, yeah, I don't um, I just don't I don't like this care about the stuff. You know, I'm saying like it's just not a genre like, all, you know, Hairspray I love because um, a lot of black people in it, a sincere love for uh, black music and all that stuff. And you really like saw a side of John Waters that you never seen before, but thinking back on it and looking at his old movies and his interest in music in particular, you're like, yeah, right. I guess it.
0: it was always
1: there. Yeah. Yeah. But with this, I mean, um, uh, I was just like, well, of course the big studio movie is going to be whiter. You know what I mean? It just made me kind of mad. Um, but not necessarily like, I don't like the movie cause I have fun. It's a blast. I love the characters. I love the makeup, the hair, the, all that stuff. I just um, – the 50s thing, the – you know, I don't like any attempt to to kind of romanticize or gloss over what a shit time it was if you weren't white is – you know what I'm saying? It, it, it is – I never enjoyed it, and yet I, I can't I, – I do hate Elvis, I think. So that, that really <laughs> – Say what, say what that, really, that really is the main thing. I cannot stand Elvis. So. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> – I gotta oppose you on this. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I, you know, you asked me, and I think...
0: Yes, that, I know. I know I did. Well, some of the I things- don't want to be
1: the guy that doesn't like it, but this is the only time we're... And even though, I mean, it's like, it's not... It's my least favorite John Waters movie, but I still like it. Like, I didn't have a I got jazz putting it on because of that opening scene. I'm like, what was my problem with cry baby? And then I started to get, I was like, right. Rockabilly. I hate that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I I don't like the, the, the daddy Roth and the fire and everything. And yeah, yeah. It's very much that. And I, I don't want to say it's, it's racist, but it, um, I can't help feeling like it is. And I hate to say that, but there's something about it that just never, you know what I mean, and it was neat because he does address on the commentary about the uh, Confederate flag being on there. Yeah, yeah, I, that was something I was interested in talking about as well. See, I even understand that. So yeah, the Confederate flag just pissed people off, and spikers yeah. like it, and they don't mean it's not a ra- thing. It's like it's racist, a rebel right? thing. Yeah, exactly. It just yeah, exactly. it makes people angry. It, it just be, you know like being on the top of the General Lee and stuff like that. It's not like Bo and Luke were going hanging people, right? It's, it's right. just that's a symbol of whatever. So I I even got all that, and there are some black characters in the film which i thought was great most of them are in jail but whatever it's supposed to be you know reflective of the time and john water's knowledge of that and he obviously is a smart guy and knows that and uh and he loves them because look at hairspray right i just um i uh i don't have a good time with it and i i like everybody in it and i respect this movie i think it's good but in terms of his uh as its own movie if it was not a john water's movie i'd have zero interest in it but because it is john water's movie I have enough to say. I still like it.
0: Yeah, I can totally see your perspective on this. I mean, this is a very, very white film, a very suburban white film. Even they did with the, bunny the drapes, hump, for Christ's
3: sake! I mean, oh, yeah, and
1: and I know that was meant to be super white, but even the other side of it, which is the uh, the, 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 the drapes, like that's redneck. I mean, it's it's not. Yeah, I just. Yeah it doesn't click with me and maybe it's because of my it's just i'm just just not it's the one that i just it, it misses me you know because it's a, such a specific satire of a specific thing that i'm not into at all
0: right no and i totally understand that and i mean serial mom if we we want to go tit for tat is also a super white movie
1: I like it because it's got an influence of things I like, like Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, yeah, El- yeah. You know, mm-hmm. And there's there's Chesty Morgan is it. We're gonna have a good time talking about that, and I have a good oh, time yeah. talking about this. But you know that I didn't like it. And you asked me to say why I don't like him. Well, that's why I don't like it.
0: No, I told I totally get that. I, yeah, but Elvis,
1: he's yeah. Well, <laughs> Elvis as a person, is a scumbag. <laughs> I don't. I, don't yes. like, I just don't like. I don't like the. Yeah, I just don't. The whole thing i, I didn't make, i don't want to make this about him christ well the, the, this movie
0: i think it, i think you've put you brought up a really good point is that i think the audience or my listeners if you haven't seen this i think your like or your hatred for elvis is really going to affect whether or not you like this movie because this is 100 a send-up
1: of old elvis films let me ask you this homies i know, this is open to the floor if i may Go for it. If the movie that John Waters had made was not Hairspray but Crybaby, and he pitched Hairspray to Universal, would Hairspray have been as excited to make this as if it was the other way around?
0: I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so I either. I gotta
1: say, Mm-mm. it was because it's white. Hairspray's kind of black. It's about Wait, race. Uh,
0: what- well, the thing is, <laughs> I'm just I
1: well, no, it's a little idea, you know.
0: Well, I think the difference is Hairspray has a lot more bubbling underneath it. Yeah, Here, that's great. Right. Well, Crybaby is a very breezy kind of musical. I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of things like that's why the like, even the conversation this episode has been pretty light, because. There's not a lot of heavy topics. This is just supposed to be a breezy kind of farce. You know, there's not supposed to be really anything heavy being discussed here. The plot is fairly predictable. It's And you've seen it a million times. This is a straight up, a send up of those old Elvis flicks where Hairspray, I think, was trying to go for more. Mm -hmm. And that's why it connected on on a much broader level than Crybaby. Crybaby just... You know, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's a very white movie,
1: but it's also it, a good movie for kids. Like kids go watch it, you know? Yeah. It's a slumber party movie. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not saying I dislike it. I just, yeah, just, just that misses me. You know,
0: what do you think, Seth, if you were caught between the two of these? Oh, uh, well, like you said, Wow, I just completely
2: forgot the name of the other movie. Hairspray. God, <laughs> brain fart. Hairspray, I mean, deals with race issues, weight issues, you know, self-image issues, all that. It's definitely not as breezy and happy-go-lucky as Crybaby. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit more of a stretch and risk for the studio to want to invest $12 million on.
0: Right. Or even when when the film does have conflict like when uh there's the big blowout brawl at the jukebox jamboree and all of the the drapes get arrested and uh, crybaby goes to juvenile uh detention that's even shown as a good time it still looks like they're having a great time in jail
2: oh, everyone's just yeah. hanging out singing songs <laughs>
1: <laughs> all the license plates yeah <laughs> Well, what do you think Universal's Hairspray would have been more like the, uh, the 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 movie version of the musical Hairspray?
0: I have a feeling that would be more the direction they would have wanted to go. I mean, let's yeah. let's think about it. Not to make this a, a huge discussion on Hairspray again, but I think it's worth discussing. Is that yeah, I mean, think you bring up a good possibly. point that I think in a Universal like in the studio system they wouldn't have wanted to tackle race as head on. As New Line did with hairspray.
1: No, they want. I just feel like you know. I think my big criticism of hairspray, if I had one, was at the end of the show. Is just like the 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 superficial fan of the John Waters movie um, likes these two ones the best. You know, because it's like what most people, if they think of like John Waters, this is what they, they identify with him with. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And and it's probably why it wasn't that big of a hit. And the rest of them weren't big hits either. And he ended up doing indies for the rest of them. This is the, what the John Waters that people wanted to keep kind of being, you know? Right. But there's, but there's ultimately not enough support of that to make million dollar John Waters movies. It's a funny spot to be in, you know? Well, because even with this one, there's still a lot of weirdness going it's on. super specific. It's not a, you know, it's a cult movie for sure but very expensive. And um, I love it that he made it. I love all the crazy casting they got to do. It's what you want to see John Waters doing. Right. You know, getting, it's it's it a happens. shame we never got to see jo- uh, Johnny Depp in
0: another one of his films. Cause I think Johnny Depp, the way he went with his career with playing all these eccentric characters, I would have loved to have seen him in another John
1: Waters movie. Didn't they ask him in an interview one time who he would have wanted to play if he could have been in one of the old ones. And he said Gator
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> just unbelievable it would have been awesome i think you know and, and he's had nothing but great things
1: to say about john waters subsequently yeah, ever no, since he had, this flick he did a benefit for susan terrell when she was super sick did a benefit at his club at the viper room for her yeah
0: so well folks i think you should go see this movie from here on out You have experienced the big budgeted (laughs) John Waters, and we're going to next episode move on and talk about Serial Mom. And I I know Andrew's excited to talk about this one. We're almost done with this, guys. We only have four more movies to go. What do you think of this so far, Angelique?
3: Oh, it's a blast. It's an absolute blast.
0: Have you seen any of these other flicks we're going to be talking about?
3: Oh, all of them. Yeah, Serial Mom is my number one.
1: Hell yeah! Really? Hell yeah! Yes. So you would say that as well, Andrew? It's up there, man. It's the movie that got me into him big time, and I was a fan ever since. I would love all those other ones, and I really like Pecker a lot. Like I've just. This is the part of the thing I was not that excited about, Hairspray and Crybaby. Now that we're through those, I'm back in, you know. full. <laughs>
0: well, from here on out, he kind of goes back. This is like we had talked about before. There's kind of like a mountain arc where it it builds up to these two movies. And then he starts to revert back to what he used to do. Uh, so I'm also looking forward to because these movies I've seen Serial Mom, probably the most of any of the movies we're going to talk about going forward. But I'm re- I, it's been a long time since I've seen Serial Mom or Pecker or Cecil B. Demented or a dirty shame. So I'm Dude, really looking forward to watching these flicks and talking about them with you guys. So
1: you told me you had not seen Cecil will be demented since you've been making movies and you, I cannot wait to see what you I thought. Know, that one's going to
3: be awesome. <laughs> I yeah. can't wait
0: to see it. I've saved it. I, I, Went and picked it up. It was the only one that I didn't have on DVD (laughs) when we started this one. Um, I think I might've had a VHS back in the day, but I might've given it to somebody or something. (laughs) Tell me
1: about Mel Gibson's penis and balls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I can't wait. That's Michael Shannon. Jesus Christ,
0: man. I, I literally have not seen it since it was released. So I'm looking forward to checking that one out, but, uh, yep. So there we go, four four left. Man, almost kind of depressing <laughs> when you look at it this way because we've been doing this since last year now. For pff,
1: when did we start this? July or no? way earlier than that. Yeah, it was before the summer because we we skipped a month because of some technical stuff.
0: Yeah, there's something. That was went it on. April
3: we started?
1: Yeah, I believe so. So
3: we've been we started doing in this, April, yeah. yeah it'll
1: be an, almost an entire year of John Waters. It would have to to cover them all, because what did he do, 12? Yep. Yeah. So,
0: folks, thank you for listening to another episode, and here's the portion of the show where we shamelessly show the fuck out of you, Mr. Gonzarific.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Hey, I've had a wonderful time talking about this. Anybody that's a fan of Elvis, including my Aunt Phyllis, I'm very sorry. Um, didn't mean to make it all about that, but they pushed me there. So I go there. Um, and John <laughs> don't, think-
0: don't feel bad about that. I grew up being force fed Elvis. Cause my grandmother just adores him. So I grew up listening to that music. So it's firmly ingrained in the back of my head, whether I like it or not.
1: Well, that's cool. And there's people that probably now won't buy any of my movies. That I'm about to see my address to Cause they're like, you don't like Elvis. It's like Shh. Elvis was a hero to most. Okay but he never meant shit to me. (laughs) Uh, But, but, uh, but John Waters didn't die in 2016. That was awesome. Willie Nelson didn't die. Neil Young didn't die. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like rock and roll. Okay. So, um, Gonzarific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. You can buy some low-budget movies featuring some people in Athens, Georgia that pattern themselves after the original Dreamland players. Just a bunch of friends making weird stuff here in the classic city. And on Amazon On Demand, we got Pajama Nightmare. We got Mondo Gonzo. We got Fake Blood. We got Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S, and the latest one, Late Night Cable. Also, a lot of free ones on YouTube and a couple on Prime as well. So, you know, there's a lot of worse things you could do with your time. Just you know, tattoo something on your face or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Seth.
2: Uh, You can find me at uh, celluloid terror on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and celluloid com for uh, all sorts of horror and exploitation reviews. And if you went to see the bye-bye man this weekend and are not following celluloid terror, well then it's your own damn fault because I posted a scathing review of that giant piece (laughs) of shit. (laughs) <laughs> you are in the minority from what I hear. Yeah, well, the minor the majority is
0: fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's glad Mr. Mark the worst. movie man isn't on this episode. <laughs>
1: I, I think Mark's end up in therapy. He's always, he's at the point where now he's putting himself on the opposite side of the popular thought before he goes into a movie. If he knows everybody hates it, he's pretty much, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. almost always ends up making you know, liking it because he knows he's not supposed to and vice versa. Well, there's him, nothing I'm, wrong with that. No, I'm going to have him on, his, on my podcast and me and him are going to, we're going to do a little little, little PTSD therapy. <laughs> I think he, I, I would love that. Can you can you make it almost like
0: it's a therapy session? It's gonna be, man. <laughs> he needs it.
1: No, I know he doesn't. Me and him have talked about it. I would love to because sometimes I'm asking him like, Mark, are you all right, man? What you what is it, homie? <laughs> I like him. I got a lot of questions for him.
0: Yeah. I think you need to go, Mark. Show me where they touched you on this doll. Die. Show me where
1: they hurt you He ain't listening to this because he don't like John Waters We're going to talk about that
0: <laughs> Well funny thing is Andrew He told me and I tried talking His wife into this This is his wife's one of his wife's favorite films mm-hmm. and That's cool But he does not like John Waters
1: hmm. Probably because it's his wife's favorite He had to be on the other side of the popular whatever Oh my gosh <laughs> Does his wife like Batman versus Superman? <laughs> 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 oh, triggered. See what I'm saying? I want to want to get to the bottom. I want to find out. Plus, I just like them, you know. Yeah, right. Well, I,
0: I can't wait to hear that one. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat to hear this uh, Mark the Movie Man therapy session on uh, the Cinema File podcast.
1: It's going to happen, man. I like to get people, you know, th- you know, on record talking about some of the, well, you know, because me and you did a little bit. So Right, right um yeah i'm looking forward to it miss angelique bone
3: <laughs> oh you can find me you know on facebook via my name or via the film jerks um we just completed another episode on circuitry man so give that a listen look us up talk to us and uh, join in on the conversation um and you can also read, read some funny stuff from myself and a bunch of other cool cats on the lost highway.com
0: awesome well folks thanks for listening to another one of these episodes next episode you're going to be hearing us talking about post-apocalyptic cult films so i'll see you then you can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at Astro Radio Z Podcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat. Do do do
1: the Hmm. The
3: other day I ate a ricochet biscuit. Well, it's the kind of a biscuit that's supposed to
0: bounce off the wall back in your mouth. If it don't bounce back. Along with me on this ride, of course, are the same group of people that have been in... Back to talk about some more... I'm tripping over my tongue now. Angelique, Andrew, and Seth are back to help me talk about some more John Waters stuff. How you doing, folks? Andrew, I have heard in the past little hints that this wasn't your favorite of John Waters films. Are you excited to talk about this one? Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm still laughing because one of the times you messed up, you, you just went. <laughs> I
0: can't fucking handle it. That's
3: what I do.